I want to talk to you about sharing Jesus with others, telling people the good news. And um, my goal is to communicate this message of Jesus effectively and to see the gospel go forth in power. And I believe that uh, we're poised for something very similar to Acts, the second chapter. So let's turn to the book of Acts. It's the very beginning of the early church. And Jesus has died and he rose from the grave, paid the penalty for humanity's sins. The early church waited in Jerusalem and they were endued with power. They were in that day of Pentecost and the, it had fully come and they were all baptized in the Holy Spirit. They were all empowered and the gospel went out in power as a result of that infilling. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So Peter, who was very reticent and was vacillating with Cephas, who was like a reed blowing in the wind, becomes Peter, the rock. And he gets empowered by the Holy Spirit, and he stands, and he gives word. He says, take heed to my words, and preaches such a powerful message that people were pierced in their heart. He said, God raised Jesus from the dead, and he sent his Holy Spirit. And then it says in verse 37, and we'll read a little bit here of this, these verses, now when they had heard this, they were pierced to the heart, pierced to the heart, and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? What must we do to be saved? Is what later on in Acts, the Philippian jailer asked Paul. He said to him, Repent, which means to change and do a 180, turn around. Each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises for you and your children and for all who are far off. Now in the Greek, the original Greek, the word far off meant those in Chesterfield Valley. So it's available for us today. As many as the Lord our God will call to himself. As many as the Lord our God will call to himself. The Lord is calling and he desires all men to be saved. And he wants to actually do the calling and the bidding through us. He wants to use us to communicate the gospel. Go into all the world and preach the good news. Share the gospel. And I want to talk to you, a practical, uh, easy way to get important information organized in your thinking so that you and I can become more equipped to win people to the Lord. We're to win souls. It says in Proverbs 11.30, the fruit of righteousness is a tree of life, and he that is wise wins souls. And God's called us to lead a winning life and to win people, win people's confidence, win people's uh, hearts, win people to the Lord. And uh, this is what is routine in the early church. This is what begins to happen. And in fact, this is what's modeled here. This is what I, Patsy and I have a, such a passion for. This is why God planted us here. This is why God brought us back from Europe and England when we were going to give our lives to other nations. And God said, no, I want you to come back and build a home base in Chesterfield, and then you'll be able to reach the nations from there. So I want to be doing what Ephesians 4 says. I'm going to share that in a minute. But he says in verse 40, with many other words, he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Listen, the perversion of the generations began the second Adam and Eve fell. And it's been weird ever since. And the Bible says the world is passing away and all of its lust, but the one that does the will of God will abide forever. We're going to talk about this, the contrast and the potential and the reason and the essential aspects of why we need to be saved and be born again. In fact, he said, be saved. There's a possibility to be saved. 
So then those who had received the word were baptized, and there, that day there were added about 3,000 souls. Verse 42, they continually devoted themselves. Notice they weren't having their arm wrenched behind them. They didn't have accountability partners badgering them, calling them up, telling them to come in. They continually devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, to prayer. They kept experiencing and feeling a sense of awe. Boy, I'd love to see that return in the earth. And many wonders and signs were taking place, and it's in fact starting to happen again. There's a groundswell of this restoration. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continually, in one mind in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their, bread, their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Yeah. Hallelujah. So we're to be, lead an electromagnetic life. We're to lead an engaging, appealing life as though God were making an appeal through us. I believe Christian life, when done correctly, ought to be appealing and not off-putting. Uh, not badgering people, but inviting people into the feast. That the abundant life gets such, becomes such a distinct marker of our lives and our engagement with the Lord, they could tell we've been with Jesus. Clothed with power from on high. Strengthened with might and power by His Spirit in the inner man. So here's my deal today, you guys, okay? Ephesians, the fourth chapter... It talks about, I want to go and read this, because it talks about Jesus in his coming to earth. He came to earth and took upon himself the sins of the world. And then after that, he rose from the dead. And then he gave information about the Holy Spirit. And then he ascended far above the heavens, it says in verse 10, so that he might fill all things. He might fill all things. We're to lead a filled, accomplished, solid life. He came to give abundant life. We're going to talk about that in a minute. He, that he might fill all things. I pray you would all be filled. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with love. Filled with confidence. Filled with the word. Filled with authority. Filled with boldness. We sang on Friday night, you make me brave. And God does put strength in our inner man. He he has not given us a spirit of fear, but he has given us a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. So we can actually function in such a devastatingly crazy world. Paul went to Rome and he said, I'm confident. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God to salvation to everyone that believes. There's a minister named Mario Murillo. He preached at the Berkeley campus back in the Jesus movement. And they counted over 2,000 people who came to the Lord on that liberal environment. He talked about people that were atheists that were dismissive. He talked about people from the Black Panther Party and then people that were on the other side that they had actually had a riot between them and they were on the same platform as brothers in Christ, saved. The Lord knows how to turn things around in a heartbeat, in a breath, in a bat of an eyelash, in a moment. And the Lord knows how to bring healing. And in fact, you and I are actually designed to be carriers of something that is contagious that actually is to spill out over our lives. We had a flood here and the levee broke and it, the waters flooded. We had a visual of what can happen. And the Missouri River can just flow and flow. 
Uh, and that's on the devastating side. But there's a river of God, of his presence and power. The Bible says in John chapter 7, when we tap into Jesus and we get, uh, we get saved, that's paramount. None of the promises of God work for us, really, until we get born again. That's primal. That's, that's fundamental. But when we get saved, when we get born again, we're on the start of an amazing situation. And it says, out of the, as when you're a believer, as the scripture says, out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. Amen. Ephesians 4, listen to this. He gave some as apostles, verse 11, prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers. For the, why? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ. Everybody say Equipping. Work, building up. Okay, get a hold of those ideas. Right now, there's an equipping for your work of service. There are certain out there, there's some things God has for you and me to do. Pay particular attention to this idea. The Bible says, whom he foreknew, he also did predestine to conform to the image of his son. God has a plan. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We dedicate these babies. Actually, scripturally, God knew Jeremiah before he was formed in his mother's womb. Paul the Apostle said in Galatians chapter 1 that God actually set him apart in his mother's womb. Father of an eighth grader just told me that the teacher noticed that the student in middle school, when the peer group started going to the left, that this child in the church here that's in here today stayed solid and stayed on the narrow path and resisted temptation. Praise God. So that's what we're praying. And the dad said, you know, we're trying real hard as parents, but you know, I, and, he, and he said, but also I, I know church has done something to help my child. I thought, well, that's really what we want to do. And that's what we are to do. And I think it's cool. We're called to have this kind of atmosphere. Hey, you give somebody breathing room, the gospel can grow into their life to where it becomes the central feature of their passion and their interest. And I, Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God to salvation. Listen, I realize the Lord brought us back from the mission field where we had really great opportunity. We had to actually turn down engagements as young people because we had to rest, at least we were getting opportunity to preach basically every day, every day, seven days a week. But the Lord wanted us to come back here and build this home base to have this pioneering situation and establish something and as one of the central features to lead a congregation proficient, equipped, strengthened to know how, practically speaking, to communicate the gospel to help people to be delivered from a perverse and corrupt generation. And God has actually given us this ambassadorship and this calling, regardless of our personalities, our feelings. And sometimes you could be white hot with this, and sometimes you could just be, go quiet. But we're not going to let the devil shut our mouths, nor are we going to be overly compulsive. We're going to be led by the Holy Spirit. We don't browbeat people, but we also don't privatize it either. We live an engaging life, and he that is wise wins souls. So... The reason I bring Reinhard Bonnke here is because not only was he, is he a great evangelist for the 50-plus years of his life in ministry, but because when he preaches, it stimulates a type of equipping. 
it downloads such an awareness that after I spend any length of time under his teaching or his equipping, I go away more apt toward sharing the gospel with people. I'm more aware of the power and the fire of God. And I pray that's your takeaway today as we go into, the, in the, into this, that you would be equipped for the work of service. Look, it says, for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man. Christian maturity is where we're in unity, where our knowledge doesn't puff us up and we don't show off with it, where we're all working together. Knowledge can puff up, but love edifies. So as we grow in the knowledge of God with love predicated, it helps us just to be balanced. Then we're, we're flowing and we're maturing and we're developing to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. That's called discipleship. And as a result, and I love results, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. Everybody say, oh, grow up. From whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by that which every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. These verses are so profound. They're so magnificent. We're to have our loins girt about with truth. We're to have the feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. Always ready to give an account for the hope that's in us. And I just want to tell you, the world is in a shift. And it's been dark. And people have been in the valley of decision. And there's been a calculated attempt of the devil to create callous and hardness. But the people that are in the valley of decision are being stirred by the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. And we're about ready to witness another surge, another mid-course correction. And therefore, it's necessary that we be ready to communicate the hope that is in us and be able to engage and share responsibly the gospel of Jesus in a good, succinct, biblically sound way. So equipment comes to us, pastoring, teaching, equipment for the works of service, among which we are to engage and lead a generation out of darkness into light. And Paul said, woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. He said, I've become all things to all men that I might save some. He said, to the Jews I became as a Jew, and yet not under the law, but I, I adapted to their scenario. When he went to the philosophical types in Athens, he adjusted and he started to address and he quoted their Athenian poets and he talked about their systems of what their, their he said, I observe your religious in many ways. He became not like a chameleon in a compromising way, but he became so aware. He had such a heightened sense of how he had come out of sin and darkness, how he had tried as a Jewish person, to fulfill the obligations of the law in his performance, none of which worked, none of which can save us, that the only hope for salvation is in Jesus Christ. He understood that. He was so called to go to the Gentiles and had previously never heard the, of the one true God. They were in pluralism. There was a big problem. There was so much deception in the culture, and yet God anointed him to go out there with a supernatural touch of God by the power of the Holy Spirit and preach the gospel of Jesus and it caused major change. When David Wilkerson went to New York in the 1950s, he wasn't a gangster. He was an Assembly of God preacher. But he was anointed by God. And he went into the culture 
of the disenfranchised, and he began to reach gang members. And gang members were threatened and were threatening him and didn't really understand particularly initially where he came from. But yet, Nikki Cruz and the people gave their hearts to Jesus. And we can see this happening again in our generation right now. It's white hot right now. This is a present message. And I'm not just preaching, go out there and be evangelistic. I'm telling you, you are actually already called by God as ambassadors for Christ. You are a representative of what's happened, what's happening, what is, will happen, what's current with heaven. He said he's given us every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. That, in fact, when Nicodemus asked him about, hey, what is this whole mystery of things? What do we do? We can tell you're from God because of these miracles. He said, you must be born from above. You must be born anew, born again. Because Nicodemus was so naturally minded, he said, how can a man enter into his mother's womb and be born a second time? He didn't even understand the spiritual dimension. But he said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Here are four things I want to give you as I finish. And this is quick. In the early 1970s, a dear man named Dr. Bill Bright, the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ, created a booklet for Christians to be able to share the good news of Jesus. It's a simple way of organizing the important information of the gospel into four points. Does anybody know the name of this little booklet? Four Spiritual Laws. While, while Dr. Bill Bright was driving to the printer, I, I've been told that he switched the first two. He was going to start out with, you're a sinner and you need to be saved. But then he realized that's really not biblical. So here are the four points. This is what he switched. He switched to number one, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And this is biblical. Because in the book of Genesis, the beginnings... God created the heavens and the earth. He said, let there be light. He separated the water from the land. He made fruit, vegetation, and trees bearing seed, and all those kinds of things. And he kept saying, it is good, it is good. And there was the first day, the second, the third, the sixth. He made Adam and Eve. He said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Be fruitful and multiply and subdue the earth. And then he said it was very good. Yet he said in the second chapter, here are trees of fruit and good food, but do not eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So what he did is he embedded in the system free moral agency, choice, will, because he didn't want us to just be robotic. He wanted cognitive, sentient, responsive beings to love him. He wanted us to come to him like we're doing today. Entering his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise, free will offerings, loving him, worshiping, praising him, overcoming. This is what he likes. And in fact, this is how he's in fact going to vanquish the devil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. That God's given us authority. Jesus said, behold, I have all authority in heaven and earth. Go therefore and preach the gospel to every living creature. This is our mandate. This is our responsibility. This is our opportunity. Man, when somebody comes out of darkness and gets saved, man, I get so jazzed about seeing people come to the Lord. Out of darkness and into light, out of the dominion of Satan and into God, out of bondage, out of eternal separation from God to eternal connection with God by the miracle of salvation. Jesus is the Savior. And, and He's the answer. 
He's the answer for the campus situations. He's the answer for the inner city, the suburbs, and the rural areas. He's the answer for the United States of America. He's the answer for Europe. He's the answer for Southeast Asia. He's the answer for all the nations of the world. Jesus is Lord. He's the answer for all this darkness. Be delivered from this perverse generation. Be delivered out of bondage and oppression. Be brought into the kingdom to walk and serve the Lord. Equipped, strengthened. We're not just touched with some religious veneer, God makes us brand new on the inside. One of the most heaving, pulsating power verses is when Paul said, if anyone is in Christ, they become a brand new creation. The old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. He delivers us from a futile way of life handed to us by our earthly fathers, and he gives us productive, effective, efficient potential to make a meaningful, eternal difference everywhere we go. Everywhere we go, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached to every nation, then the end will come. So I have four points. Are you ready? John 3, 16, God so loved the world, let's say it, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. It says in John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy Jesus came to bring life, and that much more abundantly. Abundant life. Everybody say abundant life. God so loved, he gave. He gave his son. And what is blocking people today? What's blocking people from the love of God? What's preventing people from having an abundant life and knowing the Lord? I'll tell you, it's number two. Humanity is tainted by sin and is therefore separated from God. Humanity is lost. The Billy Graham organization did a four-point thing as well. And they did it like this. God's plan was peace and life. Man's problem was sin and separation. And in fact, it says in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, it says in Romans 3, 23, something so strong, if you can get this in your heart, this is a reality. It says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. If you're honest, the world feels it can admit the falling short of God's holiness and his glory. God's pre-fall glory in the garden was so indescribable. And yet, you know, Jesus came along and paradise lost. He has actually made things even better. And if you read Romans, the fifth chapter, you could read how Adam, what he forfeited and how he failed. How Satan usurped authority over man and how Satan the devil, small d, is the god of small g of this world, and that yet you could call upon and trust Jesus and that sins can be forgiven. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Genesis chapter 2, he said, hey, if you eat this fruit of this tree, if you rebel and you sin against me, you will die. So Adam and Eve ate the fruit and they fell. They became instantly aware of their sin. They were convicted. They were ashamed. They hid themselves. They grabbed leaves to cover themselves, and then they were banished from the garden. That's why it's so wonderful to have Jesus Christ who comes in to get us restored back to the Heavenly Father. We have not received a spirit of bondage leading to fear again, but we've received a spirit of adoption where we cry, Abba, Father. When you're born of the Spirit, you become brand new inside. You get actually connected to God. The devil's such a vicious liar. He'll antagonize you and make you feel uncertain and insecure about your salvation. There's salvation in no other. There's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. That's my next point. 
It says in, in Romans 6.23 that the results, the fruit, the effect, the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Can I hear a hallelujah? Eternal life with God is something worthy of consideration. In modern America, church is a hope for entry-level folk to find their way to the gospel because you are so attractive and magnetic and so appealing in your life. You actually are contagious by the nature of calling on your life. You have actually got the gospel in your life. You have good news in your life in the midst of all this harshness. There's actually answers for all these stupid school shootings and all this crazy, temporary, weird race thing and all the darkness that's happening in our world. God is the one that's actually activating us to bring healing and meaningful direction in this moment. Be delivered from this perverse generation. The solution, God's solution, is Jesus. Jesus is going to crush the head of the devil. God provided Jesus. This is the third of the four spiritual laws. First, God's plan is that we have peace with God. Man's problem is sin that separates us. God's solution Jesus Christ is the only provision for our sin. Billy Graham, on his tombstone, asked to have John 14, 6 etched there for posterity. So anyone that goes to, and there will be many that will visit his grave. And I'm telling you, even though he's dead, he'll still speak. He even has on his tombstone, it's very simple. He had prisoners build a simple pine wood coffin. He had asked them to do this way back when. He said, would you please build a coffin for me? And it has the names of all the prisoners. He preached in the prison and he asked them to make a coffin for him because they were making coffins to make a little bit of money while they were waiting there to pay their debt to society. And Billy Graham said, would you make me a coffin? And he also, for his tombstone, Billy Graham, a preacher of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, John 14, 6. What's John 14, 6? That's the verse that God used to lead me to Jesus. And I was on my way home from my restaurant job, and the Vietnam vet gave me this scripture when I said, I think there are many paths to God. And this is why the, the four spiritual laws are so good, because Jesus Christ is the only way. In fact, it says, Jesus said, I am, when Thomas said, we don't know the way, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then he says, no one comes to the Father but through me. There's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And I've been around some people that have embraced this quasi-sophistication of secular life, of humanistic-based dismissiveness about God. And it, it, it oh, well, I'm doing fine, I'm paying my bills, my marriage is good, I'm enjoying. Yet, it seems right, but the end of it is death. And, you know, to them, it seems wrong. That there's a way that seems wrong to a man, but the end of it is life. And it's our job to help people who call evil good and good evil. Wait a minute, no. Have you really heard about my Jesus? Do you really know how amazing it is to walk with God? Do you really know the thrill of hope and the joy of walking with Jesus? The joy. Listen, the joy of the Lord is our strength, and the devil's working super hard to steal it from us. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And in fact, I rebuke it off your life in Jesus' name. Don't let the devil get up in your head and mess with you. Don't let the devil, he's a father of lies. And I'm telling you, you're anointed by the Holy Spirit to lead people to the Lord. And I'm not telling you that you got to stand out in a corner with a sign and the end is near and wear a white sheet because that would seem creepy. <laughs> Be who you are. Jesus 
is going to anoint you with your earth suit, with the way you are. We have this good news embedded in us. Bill Bright put this together. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Humanity is tainted by sin and is separated from God. Number three, Jesus Christ is the only provision for our sin. There's salvation in no other. There's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Quick, quick story. I was fishing with Randy Travis years ago before he had his stroke. We were sitting at the dinner table with a billionaire. Gentleman said, what do you think about uh, different religions? I said, well, they're interesting. And, you know, there are different levels of, you know, people are closer to the truth than others. And, well, well what do you think? Well, I, I think there's only, do you think there's only one way to heaven? I said, yes. You, I said, I believe Jesus is the only way to heaven. He's the only one capable of saving all of humanity, no matter what culture, generation, region, geography. He got mad. He said, I regard you as a, a religious, bigoted, evangelical. And I thought, well, first of all, I don't think I'm religious. I don't think I'm bigoted. And I don't even relate to being an evangelical. I'm just a Christian. I don't even relate to being Pentecostal, charismatic, born again. It's all these titles. It's, I'm just a believer. My name's recorded in heaven. Don't, get, don't put labels on me. But I just thought, well, okay. So then I thought, I'm not winning the uh, popularity contest here. But God, you know, I, I don't want to veer from what your word says. I don't want to veer from what your word says. There's salvation in no other. Jesus is the way. Because Jesus is the only one who came into this world pure and sinless. He's the only one that fulfilled all the law. He was the only one that fulfilled all the prophecies of the Hebrew scriptures. And Jesus is the only one capable of saving. That's why we've got to get him over into India, into Brazil. We've got to get him all through North America. We've got to get him all out there. We've, this gospel has got to be preached. This gospel has got to be proclaimed. And last, lastly, number four, we must place our faith in Jesus Christ as Savior in order to receive the gift of salvation and know God's wonderful plan for our lives. Dr. Bright, whoever had drawn the little diagram, it showed a throne of, of representing a person's life, and it showed a person's ego. He said an individual sitting on the throne of their life, and he showed how you can receive Jesus as Savior and also as Lord by stepping off the throne of your life and letting Jesus come and take his place as central in your life. I thought that was helpful. I had another track where it showed God is holy with glory, symbolizing like beams of light coming from the splendor of heaven. But then sin was separating like a big, thick barrier. And then humanity, fallen humanity, was separated from God because sin had entered into the world and death through sin. But then it showed Jesus, and it, the diagram showed the cross of Jesus where he died and took our sin and died on the cross so that by receiving him, trusting him, giving our lives to him, he would take away. He said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Now, there's a popular thought that keeps coming around called universalism where everybody, he's, everybody, everything's fine, everybody's saved, and it's all covered. That's a wishful thought. You know, if you're a, a kind person, you just, oh, that would be great. The problem is it's unbiblical. There must be repentance. There must be surrender. You don't want to harden your heart. Let's all stand to our feet. <laughs> Say this with me. God's plan, peace and life. Man's problem, 
sin and separation. God's solution, receive Jesus. Man's responsibility, repent and believe. 